Buildings have evolved, so let's give them the attention they deserve. This is 10 Minutes to a Better Building, a podcast from the building experts at Boland. We're a building solutions provider with more than 350 professionals and 150 technicians with one goal in mind, to make your building better. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 10 Minutes to a Better Building, the podcast from the building experts at Boland. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Now, today we're discussing lighting systems and how they can play a part in helping you have a better building. And luckily for me, I have two experts here to uh, to help us discuss this topic today. First, we have Doug White, Lighting Solutions Manager at Train. Doug, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely thrilled to have Doug on the show today. And we're also joined by John Kane. He's the Energy Services Business Development Leader at Boland. John, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate it. So guys, let's start off here. Why is it important for us to talk about lighting in the context of creating better buildings? Uh, Doug, let me uh, toss this to you first. Yeah, so I I think the first and foremost, when we talk about lighting and energy efficiency, I mean, lighting is a phenomenal first step. Most most everyone thinks about it as the low-hanging fruit within energy systems within our buildings, right? So when you convert your lighting systems from fluorescent or HID over to an LED technology, immediately recognizing 50 to 60% lighting energy savings right off the top. In further context to better buildings, we then start looking at uh, indoor environmental quality is what we call it a train or our WellSphere platform. And so really how that all plays together is lighting is much more than energy efficiency. Lighting affects our moods, our behaviors, the way that we interact with the built environment. You start coupling that with acoustics, thermal comfort, all of these pieces start coming together and providing a building that's actually working harmoniously with us as humans and creating a much healthier, better environment for us to go to work in or or live in on a day-to-day basis. John, do you have any uh, follow-up to, uh, to Doug's comments? No, you know, the, the interesting thing about LED lighting is so many people have uh, truly believe in that technology, but it's not caught on as well as it should have so, thus far. Um, most buildings still have the old technology. So uh, old lighting systems affect about 80% of the buildings in the marketplace today. So there's a lot of opportunity out there to really upgrade lighting systems and improve the quality of life for the occupants of the building. That's a, that's an excellent point, John. And, and as we talk about LED lighting, um, Doug, from your perspective, how does a move to LED lighting really help customers better size the amount of lighting energy that they're using? Uh, kind of just talk us through that that transition over to LED lighting. Yeah, so, so fluorescent, when you think about how fluorescent lighting works in a traditional commercial office building and how a fluorescent tube is installed, it is emitting light in 360 degrees and then you have, uh, you know, a basically a, sh- a piece of sheet metal up in the uh, up in the ceiling grid that is then reflecting that light back down. So the light loss or the lumen loss that you're receiving from that actual fixture is very significant. Whereas with LED, what we're able to do is control the optics of the actual LED fixture or placed over the LED chip that is then emitting the light down to the work surface and putting it exactly where you want it to go. So from a lighting layout perspective, we're able to get away with using a lot less fixtures, which obviously then adds to even more energy efficiency or built efficiency in the initial design in our buildings uh, with these LED systems. Then we start getting into luminaire level lighting controls, 
or LLCs, which are basically integrated sensors into all of these fixtures, which then even optimize, you know, how that fixture is operating in the space, whether it's uh, reading incoming daylighting from, you know, exterior windows, or it's reading occupancy in the space. And we're able to then make determinations on when lights should be on, when they should be off, and then actually take that data and use it and leverage it on the HVAC side to then make determinations of, you know, how should we be operating our VAV boxes in those spaces? Absolutely. And, and John, as we talk about retrofitting the lighting system, uh, tell me about, you know, how doing that and how giving the customers the ability to be controls enabled can really allow them to be more progressive in how they approach their buildings moving forward. Well, building HVAC systems are sized to meet the peak building heating and cooling load conditions. But those systems only operate in those conditions and those ranges less than 10% of the time. So the HVAC system is controlled to modulate based on the required load conditions. Uh, in a similar fashion, uh, lighting systems are designed for peak load or peak darkness or maximum darkness. Uh, but unlike the HVAC system, most of the lighting systems are either on or off, just like at your house. Uh, based on the occupancy and time of day. So some lights are on a timer. Uh, when lights are on, they're typically at 100% of their energy capacity. So there's no advantage. Uh, they're not taking advantage of the ambient light conditions available. Um, fully integrating control for both HVAC and lighting will allow the system to share occupancy sensing and utilize ambient dimming control. And this allows an owner to maximize their investment to a smart building lighting system. Uh, owners can leverage the value of a fully integrated building system with their utility provider in programs like demand response. So we can tie that back to the utility and, and have uh, uh, ambient dimming control uh, to respond to a demand response situation from the utility. Doug, do you have any uh, follow-up to, to John's comments? Yeah, just uh, you know, a quick study um, or a, a quick comment on a study that was just released by the Department of Energy uh, when you when you have a fluorescent system and you're converting it over to LED, right, there's obviously savings associated with that, 50% right off the top. When you look at then including a network lighting control system, which goes beyond what John just talked about of the daylight harvesting sensors and occupancy vacancy, and, and then you start looking at the other you know, control sequence of operations we're able to put in place on the, on the lighting side, such as high-end trim, um, and then you integrate that into the building automation system. Uh, on average, we're able to save 70% of a building's lighting, lighting load, uh, lighting energy consumption. So when you take, when we're able to do that and integrate it into one of the train, uh, building automation platforms, uh, our ability to reduce, uh, energy consumption on the lighting side is huge. And we can then leverage that entire controls backbone to then help us make those HVAC decisions that, uh, that John was mentioning. Yeah, that, I think that's that's an excellent point. Absolutely. So, uh, so Doug, one of the things we wanted to discuss was just as we look at the future, um, you know, some of the big topics that, that that might be coming up and that we might be discussing here in the in the near future. And one of them was electric electrification. And I wanted to give you the opportunity just to explain why this is an important topic and why this is something we should be discussing, especially in the larger context of lighting. Yeah. So when you look at beneficial electrification, um, and basically, essentially, what that means is only supplying one form of energy to our buildings, right? Electricity via electrons. And so now we're taking our heating systems and we need, we're going to be converting them over to electric heat versus 
uh, natural gas heat, which is uh, what a lot of our buildings run off of right now. And so really, when we look at just take lighting and how does lighting play into electrification? Well, you know, most people think it wouldn't, but it actually does because lighting emits a lot of heat. And I, we don't really think about that in, in terms of how much cooling capacity uh, or heating capacity is needed in the building. So when we start designing our buildings around LED systems, we are making them more energy efficient, but then we also need to figure out what does that mean in terms of heating requirements and cooling requirements for the building? And then we take another step back and we look at it from the grid perspective. And how do we make the grid more efficient in the most efficient way and right size the grid to a completely electric system versus, uh, you know, versus supplying natural gas and electricity? John, any follow up uh, to, to Doug's comments on, uh, on electrification? Well, the, the concept of right-sizing the grid is really important. We hear a lot of conversations about microgrid, and there there's some energy by municipalities and, and uh, some of our federal government facilities that are really looking toward uh, smart grid technology. But I hate to see a grid size for an inefficient uh, grouping of buildings. Um, you know, getting the buildings more efficient, starting at square one, bringing the uh, the energy footprint down at the building level before you do any grid work is always important so the grid is not oversized. That's an excellent point. And I guess one thing I wanted to follow up on uh, from our from what we were discussing earlier, I suppose, is do you think that, that lighting is is a good place to start as you look at creating a more efficient building because of the quicker return on investment of switching over to LED and that sort of thing, kind of what you were discussing earlier, Doug? Does that make it an ideal place to start and maybe an ideal place to begin those conversations about improving your building's efficiency and energy usage and that sort of thing? Absolutely. So again, I mean, starting with lighting is typically known as, the, you know, seen as the low-hanging fruit. Uh, but mm -hmm. from an efficiency play, it obviously play, you know, uh, plays into the whole building holistically when you look at your energy portfolio and how every, what is consuming what. Then we also want to include controls. I think the biggest thing that we overlook on the lighting side is we look at just replacing a lighting fixture with a lighting fixture or LED tubes. But let's really look at the controls piece of this. I mean, utility rebates in the coming years will be, you know, curtailed and going down as adoption rates climb on the LED side. So take advantage of those utility rebates right now. Take advantage of the tax deduction programs that are out there right now. If you're, if you're, um, uh, you know, in the private sector, there's a lot of incentives to help pay for these systems right now. And once they go away, you know, you're going to have, you're, you'll be paying, you know, full fair market value for these systems. Again, so once we start doing the efficiency there, then when you look at your heating and cooling systems, right, maybe they're not ready for replacement now, but maybe they'll be ready for replacement in five to 10 years. You now have an efficient lighting system that is, you can do heat load calculations based on what that system is going to take based on that and occupancy on what is going to require. So, to John's point, when you say, you know, hey, let's replace this, let's replace our system with light, with LED lighting. Uh, now you can actually perhaps downsize, uh, your boiler, your boiler system or your, your heat pump system because you're going to be putting less heat back into that space. Right. And so the unfuture is completely uncertain, you know, based on occupancy with COVID and, and how we're going to go back to a normal workforce. So let's put in a dynamic lighting system that can really extract as much savings out of the, you know, out of the building as possible. And then really allow us the flexibility as users 
to take that existing system far into the future and come and always be dynamic and always be changing based on you know what it is that we need how we need that building to perform today fantastic stuff so guys as we begin to wrap up this episode today i want to give you uh, each of you an opportunity to give us any closing thoughts that you have any final things that you want our audience to walk away with today so john let me kick it to you first uh, any final thoughts anything you want to wrap th- wrap today's conversation up with well i think that one of the things you heard here today is number one the technology that's available and then the adoption rate has been slow. I think that I don't know anybody who doesn't believe LED lighting doesn't save money. Um, but many owners have not uh, bitten the bullet to go and start doing a lighting retrofit project in their building. Or they've started to do it just like I have at my house, is I wait for a certain amount of lights to burn out, then I go and replace uh, those lights with LED. Uh, I haven't gone in and retrofitted my whole house. I should, I'm probably a little <laughs> bit of a hypocrite here today, but. Um, but when the owner takes that approach, uh, he's delaying the inevitable. And uh, if they do it piecemeal, they don't take advantage of the full controls capability that probably the infrastructure already exists in their building to build off that controls infrastructure. So the only ob- obvious uh, reason they wouldn't do this is first cost. You know, Doug mentioned some of the tax incentives and uh, the other uh, programs that are from the utilities. Uh, Back, I think, in uh, podcast episode 11 uh, in this series, my colleague James Tucker discussed some of the available financing options uh, along with some of the incentive programs to help overcome that first cost objection. You know, when it comes to lighting, it is the low hanging fruit. And in many cases, we can structure a project to have little or no impact to cash flow uh, from the start. So, um, you know, if you, if you believe in the technology and we can find a way to overcome that first cost, uh, lighting is a no-brainer. And in many cases on lar- large performance contracts, lighting is used to subsidize some of the larger, uh, what we would call heavy metal infrastructure uh, uh, upgrades that we'd have to make that have a much longer payback to help blend that whole a pot of soup together to have a reasonable return on investment. Uh, but those financing options, I'd encourage everybody to go back and, and listen to episode 11, uh, listen to James and, and pick up a few things from there. But, you know, we're here to help and we're here to, to align, um, you know, these systems with, with the, your building needs as well as the business goals uh, that you may have. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much for, uh, for those comments, John. Uh, I think excellent way to wrap up the episode. And Doug, uh, give us any final thoughts that you have here today before we uh, wrap things up. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just say, let's think about the future when we're designing these systems. Um, again, we can always just replace a, a fluorescent fixture with an LED fixture. But let's really think about what, what we've all gone through is, um, as humans over the past year and a half and what is that going to look like, you know, far into the future, 10, 20 years? How do we set ourselves up now for success? And some of that is as simple as putting in a lighting control system that can be, you know, integrated into building automation systems into the future. You may not need it now. You may not want to do it now, but having a system that is controls ready in the future, you're setting yourself up for success and you're setting yourself up for an uncertain future. And you don't know how these buildings are going to be operating, how we are going to be working within these facilities in the future. So, you know, making sure that you're just looking into the future and saying, you know what, the rebates are available, tax incentives, you know, we can help identify first cost savings and, and, uh, you know, really design a, a solid system from a financial perspective. Um, but let's not, 
be short-sighted and let's continually look at all opportunities for energy efficiency and, and how our tenants are going to be, uh, tenants and customers are going to be using these uh, facilities far into the future. Fantastic stuff. Doug White from Train and John Kane from Boland. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here today on 10 Minutes to a Better Building, talking a little bit more about lighting and how it plays such a big role in uh, in the overall improvements of a building. Guys, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, Tyler. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of 10 Minutes to a Better Building. If you enjoyed this episode, good news, we have a lot more episodes that are already out, and we have a lot more episodes that are coming uh, in the very near future. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or head to Boland's website to, to learn more and to get in touch with the team there at Boland to learn more about how you can improve your building. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon with those new episodes of the show. But for my guests today, Doug and John, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us.